Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Kristen Bry of Asgos, Wisconsin is along Lake Michigan. And up on Lake Minocqua is Kirk Bankstead of the Minocqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome, because you're up north. Well, hey there. Welcome to the cabin. You've made it up north. Nice to have you here. I'm Pat Kreitlow, managing editor of Up North News, WI.com. I'm Kristen Bry, creator of Asgos, Wisconsin. And I'm Kirk Bankstead of the Manaqua Brewing Company. We join you live every Wednesday evening at 7 on Devil Radio News Talk 92.7 and play it back over the weekend. We post at upnorthpodcast.com. Our email address is info at upnorthpodcast.com. Uh, we have two guests this hour that we're planning to bring to you, uh, both on the subject of PFAS or forever chemicals and what the legislature is not doing about it. We will have City Administrator Zach Vruink of the City of Rhine, or City Administrator of Rhinelander and Doug Oitzinger. Um, Kirk, yep, that's it. Doug O'Tuner is the former mayor of the city of Marinette, uh, current city alder there, a founding member of Save Our Water or SOH2O, a citizen action group on PFAS contamination from the Tyco JCI contamination spill in the Marinette and Peshtigo area. So if you have been hearing about forever chemicals and PFAS all the time and wanted to know what is this really about and why are a couple of these communities up north affected along with other parts of the state, you know, French Highland over by La Crosse and elsewhere. Uh, you'll want to hear from our, our guests that we have coming up later uh, in this hour. But first, I forgot to queue up a breaking news sounder, but breaking news within the past hour from Politico, the national political magazine and the West Wing playbook which bills itself as the power players, the latest policy developments, and intriguing whispers percolating inside the West Wing of the White House. The headline, Ladies' Night at Kamala's. And uh, it says, it begins with, Senator Tammy Baldwin was ready to party. The low-key <laughs> Wisconsin Democrat didn't arrive empty-handed at the Naval Observatory on Tuesday evening for Vice President Kamala Harris's dinner party with women senators. She brought beer, and not just any beer. Kamala-themed nearly 10% alcohol content beer. Baldwin brought Harris a four-pack of Kamala from Wisconsin's Manaqua Brewing Company. The beer pays homage to Harris, featuring an image of her in the can. It's the strongest beer we could make, 9.7% alcohol by volume imperial. We prefer vice presidential stout, the brewery boasts on its website. Kirk, you made Politico. You, I know. You big time. I know, and so... No, I, people it's been blowing up my phone like people are texting me that link and um and and tammy as uh, senator baldwin also posted an instagram of her with uh, vice president harris and uh gave me a shout out too so it's kind of a it's kind of been a wild last hour for me i'm, I'm really i'm really excited and, and it's just proud of proud of everything so Kristen, how great is this i mean look at it we, we know a celebrity now i mean i know this is so exciting i mean it was only a matter of time until she drank the beer named after her, right? Um, but I wonder how drunk she got off of it. So when I drink your beer, at least that beer specifically, well, I'm not sober, but nine, 9.7%. I mean, Kirk, yeah, it's a boozy beast. You went for the strong woman, didn't you? Well, yeah, I mean, well, of course she is a strong woman. You got to give her a strong beer. Yeah. <laughs> this gets, this gets you hammered after one. Okay. Okay. Careful there. Um, <laughs> we will hear more. 
we will hear more adventures of the Monaco Brewing Company a later, uh, a little later on in uh, the program. But that just came over. We we had to to share that. Uh, there you are in in the political playbook. Um, so before we get to that and, and to all the other uh, you know headlines, Kirk, you've had uh, some uh, not. Em emancipation inoculations, uh, or was it inoculation? See, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> but th those are behind you, but that didn't stop you from, from going to parties. Uh, you, you are our resident, uh, you know, party crasher. So <laughs> this time it was related to the radio station, I understand. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're, we're on Devil Radio right now for everybody listening, uh, you know, on the podcast, we do it live on Wednesdays. And uh, Dom's become a good, I mean, uh, Crute's become a good friend um he's really you not know, dom no dom, dom's not a good friend Groot. Dom, screw Groot. dom i mean yeah. i don't care about him at all but Groot's become a good friend and and he's really uh, helped us by kind of getting this podcast out and uh, and i'm down in madison quite a bit uh selling beer so i came to his party yesterday and he had a really great show it was kind of uh for a lot of his sponsors but also kind of it was a gathering of the kind of the who's who of of democratic uh, politics. So it was really great to see a lot of, you know, you know, folks running for Senate. Uh, you know, Chris Larson was there. Sarah Godlewski was there. Um, people that have been in, I, I haven't been in Wisconsin politics very long at all. So I don't even, I, I know who these people are, but I don't really know them. Like Scott Ross is, a, you know, is, you know, has made lots of waves in, in life. And then uh, Scott Ross I mean, was the only one at that party that would talk more than you and louder than you. So I mean, I, I feel like you guys, there was a there was a kinship there immediately. Yeah, it was just it was it was good to uh, celebrate what this radio station does for not only Madison but for the state of Wisconsin. I mean, to my knowledge, it's the only progressive talk radio station in the state where we've got a gazillion conservative talk radio stations, and so what a. Uh, Oh, what a uh, what a what a wonderful thing he's done for for our state, and I, I really hope it continues uh, in a success. Well, glad that, that went well. I mean, contrast that to Kristen, who um, you know spent some time on the farm this week and almost came this close, reportedly, to stealing a cow. I did. I did. I, I mean, I don't know where I would put it once it got bigger bigger but than uh, no longer pass it off as as a lab sure yeah yeah exactly because i would say the premature calf who i think was born six weeks early and they still don't know if he's she's gonna survive but they did name him tiny her tiny tin because what else do you name sure. a premature calf uh being that early and i think she was two weeks old when i met her she was the size of a big dog. And so the, the fact that that's as little as they get uh, probably could not fit in my two bedroom apartment. Uh, but the farm itself was amazing. Uh, uh, Carrie Mess, also known as Dairy Carrie on all social medias is awesome. And her story is really interesting because she is not, she was not raised on a farm. She was raised, she went to Wafalit. She's from Madison uh, and she happened to marry a guy who also did not think that he was, he was raised on a farm, but he did not think that he was going to be the sibling to take over the farm. And yet here they are. And she's, she's been working on the farm for 13 years. He's, I think, joined her shortly after. Uh, they have like a hundred cows, 300 acres, got there for the afternoon chores, which knowing that they have to do that two to three times a day, it was like, I'm good. I don't need to do this regularly, but I'm happy that I did it once. 
Well, good. I mean, and, and of course you found the, the farmer that's on social media because that that's, that's where they go. My, my brother-in-law who uh, took over the family farm, uh, you know, my, my, my wife was the oldest of six, you know, they milked cows, you know, every morning before getting on the school bus and, uh, and, and farmer bill, uh, her brother who took over, um, has, has famously never gone on social media, says he never will, is a very soft-spoken farmer who says, um, if you want to know what I'm thinking, you, you can ask me. And so, so I'm glad that you found that more farmers are, are getting involved in social media, showing off what they're doing. It's for June Dairy Month, uh, a, a little feature that she's putting together for Up North News uh, that you'll find over at Up North News WI on social media. And I loved uh, seeing the shot list, uh, all the camera shots that were taken afterwards um, because Kristen, you probably remember some of them better than I do, but I believe it was cow standing in pen, cow sucking on Kristen's fingers, uh, cow nuzzling another cow. I, I don't think I got a lot of, got a lot of cow shots. Uh, and so, no, I would say, you know, we got some of the milking parlor, but it was, it's a lot of cows. They're all in their own pens, whether it's the calves who are separated then they get socialized with about three other calves or three other heifers. Then the ones who are in a breeding age are in a different stall. Then the ones who are actually pregnant are over here. And then the ones who've actually, I, I learned this this week, which I guess probably should have been common knowledge in Wisconsin, but uh, it's a heifer until it's, they have their first baby and then it's a cow. So the calf, then a heifer, then a cow. And so I did not know that. I love hearing this. This is great. I, I can't wait to see the, the report. And really the whole point of, of doing this was uh, to give people more of an appreciation for what uh, Wisconsin farmers do uh, during this June dairy month. And I'm, I'm sure that you have that now, Kristen, more so than you did already. Uh, oh, with, yeah, the, absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. And then finally, you went, you know, going from the farm to the big city, first time at the Fiserv, I understand. Uh, did you bring any did you bring any help to the Bucks? Brought some luck. We did win uh, on Sunday, which was not what I can say about last night. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I was I, another thing off the adult list to do uh, moving back to Wisconsin because since I left at 16, I had been at the Bradley Center, but I had never been to the Fiserv. And so I uh, got to go for the first time and see the Bucks win and tie up the series on Sunday, only for them to go back to three to two last night on my television in my living room, but uh, that's the new cheer bucks and seven. Bucks and seven. Yeah. I've, I've, so, I've seen that we got to, we have to now retire bucks and six it's cursed. Um, so fingers crossed for the next two games. So just to, just to chime in here. So, um, you know, you met my girlfriend, Sarah, uh, Kristen, she's from New York. And so she's a huge Nets fan. She can't get tickets in Brooklyn. So, we found tickets yesterday, so we're going tomorrow to the Great. game. Great! I wow. hope, I hope we, I hope I can bring good luck. I, I don't. It'll probably be mobbed, but if you guys get here early enough, let me know, and we'll try to meet up before you get into the, the arena. I, and I just hope this isn't a deal breaker in, in in the whole relationship status. So tune in next week to find out what what Kirk lists as his relationship status on Facebook and other social media. Uh, we'll be back to talk more about PFAS and keeping Wisconsin water clean in just a bit. You're up. Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Pat Kreitlow, along with Kirk Bankstead and Kristen Bry. And joining us now, two guests to talk about 
PFAS, which is a shortened way of saying an extremely long chemical name. Our pop quiz for first for our guests will be first if they can, you know, tell us what that entire word stands for that PFAS is short for. Uh, but we're going to start with uh, Doug Oitzinger, the former mayor of the city of Marinette, current city alder there, founding member of Save Our Water, uh, SOH2O, a citizen action group on PFAS contamination from the Tyco JCI contamination spill in the Marinette and Peshtigo areas. Zach Vruwink is city administrator in Rhinelander, formerly the mayor of Wisconsin Rapids, um, and, and also, uh, again, a city dealing with its own form of PFAS problems. Gentlemen, nice to have you both here. Thank you for uh, joining us uh, here on the Up North podcast. Glad to be here. Let's, Doug, let's start with yours, uh, your situation in Marinette. It's, it's a little bit more um, uh, single point source, I guess you could say. I mean, not entirely, but people do associate it with the, the Tyco plant. Tell us what it is and what has led to uh, such a, a, a problem with, with PFAS in, in the Marinette area. Well, Tyco, which is part of Johnson Controls, uh, is a world supplier of uh, firefighting um, substances. And in this case, uh, the PFAS is in something called AFFF, which is a firefighting foam primarily used uh, to suppress uh, oil-based fires. So it's used um, uh, around airports uh, to get a vehicle on fire, anything that's petroleum-based, because the characteristics of PFAS is that it sticks together very tightly. And so it's great for smothering flames, um, uh, but, and for other products as well. I mean, it's on uh, Gore-Tex. It's, uh, it's a great water repellent. Um, yeah, stain proofing uh, and Teflon yeah, and all, all kind of that of stuff. Mm-hmm. But in our case, it's firefighting foam. And so, because, yep. because they have a, 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 a manufacturer here, but they also have a large training and testing facility uh, they would routinely go out and, I mean, we would see the black smoke weekly where they're, they're doing tests or they're doing training. We knew what was going on there. We just didn't know what they were spraying on it. We poisoned. Hey, Doug, let me jump in with a question here. So I wanted to step back a bit and say the reason we're talking about PFOS today is that the uh, state legislature just um, t- took away a lot of the uh, the 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 bits of protecting us from these forever chemicals, they took, they, they kind of just take, took it out of the bills and there's not a lot left to protect Marinette. Can you tell us um, what some of the protections that you were looking for and how you, you, you talked, you as a bipartisan legislation that kind of passed last year with Nigren and Hansen. I want to hear that part of the story of, of how, uh, how you guys tried to solve this problem and you had a lot of support in Wisconsin and, and how that didn't come to pass. Well, to go back to last year, as we got uh, more and more educated and we came to realize um, there are no laws in the state of Wisconsin regulating PFAS, zero. And there are, there's no EPA law. There's no federal law regulating PFAS. They have a health advisory limit, HAL, HAL limit, which is a way of saying, be careful, but it's not an enforceable limit. So we were very active in uh, trying to lobby for uh, citizens lobbying to, to get regulation of PFAS in the state of Wisconsin because it is a poison. It's 500 times more poisonous than rat poison. 
Uh, I mean, literally, you can consume 500 times more rat poison in your drinking water than you can PFAS. So it's very dangerous stuff. And we were successful in, uh, you know, first we got the CLEAR Act introduced, but that didn't gather any uh, Republican support. And we worked um, very hard with our representative who was a Republican, was in leadership, John Nygren, to get with Senator, State Senator Dave Hansen, Democrat, and uh, come up with compromise legislation that had kind of been built off the CLEAR Act, but wasn't quite as comprehensive. We managed to get that all the way through uh, both the Senate um, Environmental Committee and the Assembly Environmental Committee. Bipartisan support passed in both committees uh, overwhelmingly. I was down in Madison testifying as were quite a few of us from, from the area. And then it hit, uh, it, it hit the assembly at the close of the session um, and uh, Speaker Voss refused to bring the bill up for a vote. And he killed it. And um, it's, it's pretty basic. I mean, this is politics in Wisconsin right now. The Republican Party is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce. And WMC killed it. They said, nope, you're not gonna vote on it. We're not going to pass it. We don't want regulation of PFAS in this state. So what you see happening is there'll be little window dressing PFAS bills that incrementally, um, they might do some good, but in terms of protecting our population, in terms of addressing the massive uh, contamination we have here, or you mentioned, I think, lacrosse, um, yeah, it's not going to cut it. Right. Okay. Um, Kristen, you were going to, uh, yeah, so I, I mean, so I'm Zach, good to see you. Uh, Zach and I know each other because he, as you said, was the mayor of Wisconsin Rapids and both of my parents are very, very fond of you. And we're very upset that you are no longer the mayor of Wisconsin Rapids, but very happy to see, uh, the new job you have in Rhinelander. So how is this, obviously I think what you dealt with Wisconsin Rapids was some of the after effect of paper, the paper mill and the pollution that that created and the health effects that has created for Wisconsin Rapids. Now this seems like a very different issue to be dealing with in Rhinelander. So how has that manifested there for you? Right, in Rhinelander, I, I think we've kind of fast forwarded the clock, if you will, on what many of Wisconsin's communities are gonna be facing. Unlike Marinette, Rhinelander currently is not uh, facing any litigation. We're not involved in the active litigation. And so uh, the mayor and, and myself and my role are now working very strongly to just fix it. How do we encourage the legislature, the Joint Finance Committee, and the DNR to put forth regulations that ultimately, as uh, the former mayor, as Doug just mentioned, for us to be able to come and be able to protect people from uh, the health effects known with PFAS. In Rhinelander, we've got two of our municipal wells, 25% of our well capacity currently offline because of high traces of PFAS and variants. So for us in Rhinelander, we really wanna bring a just fix it approach uh, that doesn't involve litigation, but it involves and requires the state legislature to come together and the governor uh, to agree on some form of consensus uh, to be able to allow municipalities to put this together. Uh, I believe clean water and environmental issues, environmental contamination, just like our American flag, don't belong to a political party. And so it's really important for us uh, to come together on this issue to protect 
uh, our community members and fellow Wisconsinites uh, so that uh, we all can uh, consume safe drinking water. And in Rhinelander, I'm pleased to say 100% of our wells currently active are PFAS free. Uh, but I can say that many of the states, uh, cities, and communities don't know whether or not there's PFAS, primarily because of the stalemate that's involved in Madison right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, Zach, and I want to—we're going to have a break at some point, and I want to ask Doug the same question. Um, are you aware of what they just did in the in the budget, and they took out a lot of protections? Um, can you tell us what Rhinelander needs uh, from the state legislature to really protect uh, the city? Yeah, quite simply, uh, there are treatment technologies that have been pioneered around the, the country and around the world that Rhinelander could benefit from. But because we don't have any limits or any, any laws on the books that indicate what are safe concentrations of PFAS, we simply can't, investing in PFAS technology and treatment isn't a, a prudent thing to do at this time. We're working toward doing so, and we, I think we, we can do so. So right now we're looking for um, some state resources. Uh, there was a, a great proposal by the governor um, to invest in municipal solutions to help cities like Rhinelander get treatment solutions online. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk more about that uh, after this break, and we'll talk not just about uh, cleaning up, but the ability of the DNR to even find these things, uh, these areas in the first place, and how that is being stymied by by lawsuits and, and such. So, more about PFAS with our two guests coming up right after the break. You're up north. Kristen Bry with Kirk Bankset and Pat Freightlow. And our guests uh, this time around are talking about PFAS, uh, a short and firm form of a. Uh, uh, forever chemicals as they're called zach vruink is the city administrator in rhinelander doug oitzinger uh former mayor of marinette current city alder founding member of save our water soh2o okay so let's start talking about what's actually happening right now um doug i know you've been following this more than probably the rest of us uh, i'm sure zach has has as well but what are all the uh the pfos uh, parts of, of what was put into the, the budget bill that, that, that Wisconsinites need to have to be safe and, and what was taken out and, and what was left in and, and what are the repercussions of that? Well, basically the, the governor proposed uh, a number of positions in the DNR and Department of Health Services to deal directly with PFAS. I mean, our agencies are overwhelmed right now. Two years ago, we had 30 contamination sites in the state. Now we have over 70. That's in two years' time. So uh, they're playing catch-up, and um, uh, it's not easy for them. So the main thing we're dealing with is money. The governor also had some specific language in there that would make it easier to get actual rulemaking accomplished. Uh, the Republicans took all of that out and left one segment of funding uh, on PFAS uh, in the budget, and that's, you know, it's window dressing. It's, a, it's money that would uh, uh, pay for fire departments across the state of Wisconsin that has a triple F firefighting foam with PFAS in it to turn it in and, and get it replaced with a non-fluorinated firefighting foam, and uh, that would pay for that. Now, that's a good thing. Right, but it's but, like you said, it's it's a feel good thing. It does nothing yeah. about the sites themselves. And to clarify, when you say uh, we went from thirty some sites needing cleanup to seventy some sites, it doesn't mean that there was suddenly all this pollution happening. It, it means these sites are being discovered. 
yeah. from what could have been decades exactly. ago that these chemicals were were involved, right? Because exactly. Zach, let me turn to you for a minute. In Rhinelander, I mean, part of it was that uh, for for decades, you know, they were talking about sludge being you know spread out near the near the airports and things, which is why I talked about it may maybe being not such a uh, a non more of a non point source of it. But uh, you you wouldn't have seen that for for years until it showed up in the water and i have to i have to believe that's going to be the case in in many more spots around wisconsin based on your experience that's right i mean as communities have to test whether it's uh, by their own accord and they don't know the repercussions and not having protections from the state to be able to protect people uh there's a lot of uh, there's a lack of confidence in, in doing your own testing and really uh, knowing what, what are really the solutions and the options for remedying uh, the contaminated water sources in communities. You know, should there be a, a catastrophe like in Rhinelander where let's say another well goes down, we're faced with having to return those wells into service and, and contaminating our drinking water supply again, simply to, to provide water uh, to our residents and to our industry. And, and that's certainly not something uh, that's a sustainable or a, a healthy solution for anybody. Wait, so Zach, tell me if, if PFOS is discovered, you've got what, two out of four wells working right now? Yeah, we actually have eight wells, but they're all kind of co-located. So one oh. could say that you know, there's probably four total high capacity wells, yeah. So if, if you lose any more wells, I mean, we're, we're getting into like third world country status at that point, right? Like what happens if, if all the water's too polluted to drink? I mean, what, what does Rhinelander do? Yeah, you really need to provide an emergency water source. And, and as Doug had mentioned, the DHS has limits established, but the DNR hasn't finished the rulemaking process. And then they have to go through public hearings and then the legislature to ultimately adopt those rules and standards. So we're a long way off of really knowing what municipalities and, and others that provide drinking water uh, need to, uh, to provide treatment or, or testing to uh, whatever standard. So in that case, it's simply bringing water trucks to places like Rhinelander. And we know that that's not a solution. Uh, we, there are, there's treatment technologies that are in existence uh, in, in the country and around the world that we could bring to places like Rhinelander uh, to restore those two wells to operation. But because of the partisanship and because of the debate, uh, and not really come to coming to the center on a consensus on this, we're, we're faced with a situation where those wells who are to us new wells remain suspended. And, and here's the irony of that is that a year ago, uh, well, 2019, uh, prior to the, the, the pandemic, all we, one of the things we heard about most out of the capital capital was uh, the speaker's task force on clean water or on water quality. And it, it did not just look at PFAS. It, it looked at everything from high capacity wells to uh, nutrient runoff from farms to lead pipes in Milwaukee. I mean, just there, we love to, to say how proud we are to have clean water in Wisconsin, but if the speaker's task force showed us nothing, uh, it showed us that there are multiple ways where the cleanliness of Wisconsin water is being threatened, and yet it is that same speaker and that same assembly where these most recent uh, uh, rules and, and, and remedies on PFAS have, have gone to die. Um, you know, Zach, you're, you're, you're a city administrator, you've been a mayor, you, you've talked about trying to find that consensus, that, that middle ground. Um, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but that has to be awfully hard when there doesn't appear to be anybody on one side of the aisle to point to and say, this is a bipartisan obstacle we have to overcome. Yeah, I find it no coincidence that the task force 
showed all the problems and the complexities associated with it. And it showed how woefully underfunded uh, the study is to remedy and provide clean water to residents and industry. Uh, you know, for pro-business and pro-growth, that also comes with the responsibility of providing clean water. And as somebody who is uh, working every day to, to bring, uh, you know, better housing solutions and, and you know, a, a cleaner, safer roadways to our residents and, and et cetera, we, we need to deal with the clean drinking water issue or it's going to be such a insurmountable cost at some point in the future. So, you know, if we're going to be fiscally responsible, addressing this with funding now uh, is the most uh, responsible way to, to, to deal with it. And I think, uh, I feel for the, the 600 and some municipalities around Wisconsin who have not done a form of testing and at the same time, uh, who are not going to have the resources uh, to be able to address this. You know, Rhinelander's done um, some great partnerships with UW uh, and some of the programs there. We actually uh, just are applying for a USGS uh, study to work with the federal government on doing some additional study. But these are all on our own accord. You know, we're, we're trying to fit these in alongside the other priorities, all the while the state sits on the sideline and, and uh, legislature sticks its head in the sand on, on addressing this issue for the long term. Go ahead, Kristen. So as someone who I feel like tries to consistently think about big, complicated, if not boring issues and how do we, that are very important, like exactly like this, and how do we hold people accountable for the decisions that they're making at election time? And so what, how do we, how do we make this clear? Because since coming back to Wisconsin, in such a purple state, there's all these, you know, red versus blue uh, arguments. Clean water seems like one of the, the few things that everyone agrees on, especially everyone in Wisconsin agrees on. And so how do we translate this pretty dire issue to get people to actually hold the people who are making decisions and holding kind of a lot of the uh, drinkable drinking water hostage how do we communicate that to voters? Well, if I can answer that. Sure, go ahead, Doug. The, because um, we just had a special election up here to replace Representative Nigren, who resigned after he got reelected. Um, everybody runs on, they're an environmentalist and they're for clean water. But they have this amazing word whenever you talk about legislation. The word is but. I'm for clean water, but. I'm for the environment, but. But that bill is too much regulation, but that bill will hurt Wisconsin jobs. We've got to say, you're not for clean water if you use that next word, but. And we are literally talking about poison. We're talking about poisoning children. We're talking about poisoning pregnant moms. We're talking about poisoning people when we let these types of contaminations get in their drinking water supply. We've got to be a lot tougher, and we've got to we've got to um, we got to call people out. And it's going to take it's going to be a long fight because uh, the moneyed interests do not want these things regulated. They're making too much money on them. Doug, I've heard some horror stories, uh, medical issues that have 
uh, sprung up in your area. Uh, there's, I heard a woman lost her thyroid or something uh, potentially because of a PFOS. Can you, two part question. One, what is actually happening to people's health? Um, you know, especially, and, and there's deer, like health, the hunting aspect of it. And where is it in Wisconsin? Like, is it, I mean, cause we don't even know. So there's a three part question. Health, as it, as it relates to like hunting and fish and deer, and then where, how do we know where it's at? Well, there's, there was a classic study done, an epidemiological study done coming out of the DuPont lawsuit in West Virginia. A movie, Dark Waters, was made about it. And they basically come up with a number of, of illnesses that are related to uh, high levels of PFAS in the blood. Testicular cancer, thyroid uh, problems, uh, immune deficiency issues. Think about that during COVID-19. Oh. Uh, uh, learning uh, disabilities. I mean, there's a series of things, medical issues that have been uh, identified. And we relate specific medical issues in our community to PFAS. Well, there's been no study. So no, we can't. But there's a, a tragic story of a young man who went to Marinette High School and got testicular cancer and had been drinking the water that we now know is contaminated. And out of his class, it was like four or five of his fellow classmates all got testicular cancer. That is off the charts in terms of, you know, how many cases you would have per 100,000 people. So that's that. We already have a uh, at our urging, at SOH2O's urging, we got the DNR to test some deer. In They actually shot the deer in the city of Marinette, tested them. Now we have a deer advisory, don't eat deer, uh, deer livers uh, because they found PFAS in it. Uh, fish, well, Madison, you got it in your fish there. You got it in your fish in Lake Superior. You got, you know, it's in the Bay of Green Bay. Uh, it's going to show up in fish. It's a little bit different than other contaminations because it's not showing up in the fat. It's showing up in the meat of the fish. And it seems to attack the smaller fish rather than the larger fish. And, and yet for all of these problems, what's documented and what's still being researched, uh, the, the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources is having their hands tied by a lawsuit from Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, which claimed the DNR cannot test for PFAS because there's no agreed upon standard. But there's no agreed upon standard because WMC was able to convince Republican legislators to weaken or neuter what few standards existed. So, uh, you know, th this is, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that the DNR can't take care of this. Uh, well. They, they right now they're the current one of the they have two lawsuits in one of the lawsuits the one that I'm trying to intervene in is is that you know the DNR shouldn't be forcing anybody to do anything unless they've set a rule then when the DNR goes to set a rule because I've been in those hearings WMC comes and say that rule is out of bounds so they're they're, they're fighting it every which way they can 
Exactly. And, and and the strategy is let's wait to the next election. Maybe we'll get more favorable people in, in Madison. And, and it, it just comes down to, you've got to call it what it is, protecting polluters. Uh, and with that, we, we want to thank you guys so much, Doug Oitzinger and Zach Vruink. Uh, thank you. Good luck with everything that you're, you're having to deal with there. And uh, we hope that we can have you on again with a, with a happier update sometime down the road. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. We will be back in just a bit. You're up north. The Up North Podcast is a production of just the three of us, Kirk Pankstead, Kristen Bry, Pack Right Low, and we take a little time each week to talk about our day jobs instead because uh, we really like them, hope you'll support them, and uh, we begin once again with what Kristen's been up to. Kristen. All right, so As Goes Wisconsin produces content that is motivated by three things, getting you to laugh, making the super complicated super not and motivating more people to give a damn. So whether it's Wisconsin history, sports, or policy and politics, we break it down with a comedic twist in 60 seconds or less. So whether you find yourself checking Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, you can follow us at As Goes Wisconsin. All right, and I'm Pat Kreitler here to remind you that the Up North Podcast is an independent endeavor, not part of Up North News, the similarly named but unaffiliated newsroom that I operate along with a team of reporters and support staff. You can sign up for the daily newsletter that I assemble every weekday morning by visiting our website, upnorthnewswi.com, and clicking on newsletter in the top banner. We also want to thank Devil Radio 92.7, where we air live on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., and download the Devil Radio app. You can listen to the station live or on the go. Get shows on demand and more. You can also email us at info at upnorthpodcast.com. And now Kirk uh, is here to once again, tell us what a big deal he is. Getting the <laughs> vice president to bring his product to the White House. Go ahead, Mr. Humblebrag. <laughs> no, I, actually, actually, Pat, uh, after we just heard those last two guests, I don't want to talk about the Monaco Brewing Company. I want to talk about this podcast. And as as you know, it was our intention and Kristen's intention to 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 bring um, bring a different viewpoint to uh, to Northern Wisconsin. And although we're you know we're live on in Madison right now, uh, this podcast is is really for those that live uh, in Northern Wisconsin, where it's deeply red. And and my God, it's just so important to hear. Uh, really smart people like a city administrator uh and and you know a past mayor who actually understand how how PFOS hurts so many people just just not not just disparaging our republican-led majority gov uh, state legislature for not doing anything and actually hurting people and so i'm i want to promote this podcast and 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 I want to hopefully get people to uh, download it. You can go to upnorthpodcast.com. That's every week. There's a new episode there. You can sign up uh, for this podcast weekly by going to like the normal spots like Spotify or Apple iTunes. We really need to get this podcast out there because for some crazy reason or another, we get some great speakers on this thing, and and it actually gives good an analysis and good news uh, that are not good news, but important news that we need to talk about. So I just want to promote the, the podcast tonight. Uh, I'm telling, and, and you talk about these great guests, Kirk, we had no guests this morning. You did this. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen and I were just kind of looking at, I don't know, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. And then Kirk rides to the rescue on this great white steed, you know, of a reputation he has for pestering as many people as possible 
to get good guests and you found a couple of great ones and we we appreciate that very much uh in, in talking about things that up north news was working on uh lately uh and we want to try to find a, a couple of good stories to highlight and one is about how local communities are putting American Rescue Funding, uh, American Rescue Plan funding back to work. You'll recall that's the stimulus bill that not a single Republican voted for. And most people know it as the $1,400 checks, but it was also more PPP loans. It was extended unemployment. But another part of it was aid to state and local governments. And so we've, we've started now asking in various cities, what are you doing with your allocation to try to help out your local economy? And so if you go to upnorthnewswi.com, uh, you will see some of the ways that uh, some various communities are doing that, whether it's through expanding uh, broadband or making sure they protect parks and recreation programs, working on affordable housing, you know, and I believe Kristen in Wisconsin Rapids, they're, they're talking about what they can do with the mill up there as well, conceivably. Uh, these are the things that, you know, uh, that government can do to not just get caught up in the same old circular de debate the American Rescue Plan actually took some action, and now that action is starting to, to happen in, in all of our communities, and we need to see more of that. What is the thing, Kristen, that's happening with the paper mill that that this money's going to go towards? Well, well, I actually don't know what the update is, because basically the last update I heard was, so the day that the Joint Finance Committee was like, we're not expanding badger care, and everyone after Evers had announced all the different uh, ways that he would spend the money if we got another, the extra 1.6 billion. And one of which was a $50 million loan to a co-op that is trying to buy the mill. So when, uh, Vers Verso, yeah. Uh, Verso. Yeah, the, the, who owned, who did own the, because the, the, the paper mill in Wisconsin Rapids, they make, a, they make magazine paper. So it's like that glossy specific paper. So they wanted to buy it um to keep so many jobs but literally that night it got struck by lightning the bill like the mill literally got stuck struck by lightning so i have not heard an update on how much damage was done um and i haven't heard an update on what the progress would be for this co-op to to buy it um but that was kind of the solution after verso was like at last summer it was like literally almost exactly a year ago when they announced that they were going to be closing um which is then if that actually does happen will have a lot of effects on that city oh yeah yeah without a doubt um uh and then one more story we'll we'll get to before we uh, go in in talking about again local economies and that is the local economy that involves with uh with getting hitched and uh, about a year ago, uh, reporter Julian Emerson reported on all of the, the small little niche uh, wedding venues. You know, the, those of us who are of a particularly elderly age uh, only got married in churches. That was the only thing that was allowed. Now, you know, one of my daughters got married on the, on the shores of Lake Michigan, another at a, at a horse ranch in, in Idaho. And there's plenty of these places around Wisconsin as well. And, but they, they took a real hit last year. And now they're starting to come back. And he, Julian also talked to the couple who've had to put off their, their wedding uh, till now, so an extra year or more because these venues are filling up fast again. But my favorite line in here, and it gets us back to, uh, to, to the vaccinations, some couples declined to be interviewed for the story because they are attempting to keep their big day secret from family members who they know haven't been vaccinated. We just don't want to cause any more fights, one bride-to-be told Up North News. Wow. 
You, you just get the shot, people. We're at 49.2%. You can't invite your cousin because they're not vaccinated. What a, what a way to what a way to break families up, you know? Yeah. So, hey, let's avoid that. Get the shot already. All right. Thanks for joining <laughs> us up north at the cabin this week. For Kristen Bry, Kirk Bankstead, I'm Pat Kreitlow. We'll see you next week.